Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners. Thank you once again, lovely listener, for joining us for another one of our talent podcasts. We've been doing a few of these lately and that's just because there's some really, really fascinating guest speakers that we've got on and today is no exception. And joining me in the uh, co-chair hot seat for today's podcast is the wonderful David Pacifico. How are you doing, Dave? You right? Really well. I'm really excited to have this conversation today all about the world of talent acquisition and the world of great candidate experiences. Yes, indeedy. And yes, indeedy. And to help us along this particular journey for today's podcast, we have the wonderful Maggie Spong. And Maggie is a former global head of talent acquisition at both AstraZeneca and Rode. So Maggie, welcome onto the show. Oh, thank you, Chris. Really good to be here and with David as well. Yeah, it's lovely to have you on. We're going to delve into your thoughts on all things talent acquisition and, as David said, candidate experience. But before we start to go into that and where the world is going in that space from your perspective, it might be worth just for the benefit of our listeners that those some people may already know you, but those who don't know you, just giving us a little bit of background as to yourself and your career and all of that sort of lovely stuff. Okay, thank you. Yes, so um, it's really hard to say, but I've probably been in HR for around 40 years now. It doesn't seem possible, but it, but that's where I am. And I've been in um, several roles in HR, from the admin roles to the systems role, recruitment, HRBP. And I've enjoyed all of them, but actually my passion and the area that I love the most is talent acquisition. So I've been really lucky in my career to work with some amazing people and have some amazing bosses who have seen things in me that I haven't. And um, they've given me brilliant opportunities. So starting many years ago in a company called Provident Mutual, where I really learned my skills, I would say, going through many mergers. That's where I think the hard work really happens, you know, making people redundant and then back to hiring people. It's a really difficult environment. But I got great opportunities from that and went to Roche Products in in Hertfordshire, but actually got an opportunity to lead their global TA function out in Switzerland, where I spent nine years. So that was an amazing experience to be out there and, you know, all sorts of challenges, but all sorts of positive events that happened there. And I think that's where I implemented the Talent Scout model for Roche, which was seen as best practice at that time, and then moved to AstraZeneca, where I think that was an, another amazing opportunity back in the UK, where the Talent Scout model, I would say, went up a notch even more so with that that company and that experience. So, so yeah, a massive amount of experience in pharmaceutical industry as well as finance, but a really a very enjoyable career and very happy. And just most recently, I left AstraZeneca last September, and now I've moved into a consultancy work and, and working with David as well with Lace HR, which is really fantastic. 
Yeah, I mean, and we've had the privilege of working together at AstraZeneca in former lives and obviously at the moment speaking with a whole host of global talent acquisition leaders from the likes of Google and Mondelez. And it's so dynamic, isn't it, the landscape for TA? And I've never seen it so dynamic. And, you know, I mean, what do you think from the conversations that you've been having? If if, you, if we passed 100 TA leaders around what would they like to fix or change about their function? You know, what do you think they would choose? You know, what have we been hearing? Yeah. And honestly, it's just not surprising in a way that there are a lot of similarities, a lot of similar challenges. And, you know, the companies, we're all doing very similar things. So, look, I think one of the challenges that everyone has is around the candidate experience and how to do that really well. You know, even however much everybody tries, that candidate experience area is still one that needs a lot more work and attention. So all throughout my career, I've always had a mantra of saying to the recruiters, put yourselves in the shoes of the candidate. How would you feel if you were going through a process? So people forget very quickly once they've got their job, how difficult it might have been and what you feel like when you're going through that process. So that is one of the things I think most companies still struggle with and that we could all do things much better. I mean, I'm sure you've all heard friends and family or even just people you meet at at events that say they have not had a good experience. So that's one of the main things that I would say is a challenge for TA leaders, myself included, when I was in that role. And the other area is about how to optimize all the tools that are available and what are the ones that really can add the value You know, there's so many things out there, but what can you really use to make a difference for the whole process? And then also just another one that I think is top level and has come out of our discussions, David, is around the data analytics piece. There's so much information now, you know, and how do you use that effectively to improve your processes and drive proactive recruitment? It's really, really interesting. Just as you were talking there, Maggie, I've got a couple of things that popped into my head. So firstly, I wrote down the word, probably I I suspect this is going to be a leading the witness question, but I wrote down is empathy, therefore, the most important skill that a TA specialist can have. So some thoughts on that in a second. But the second one was any ideas, because you also mentioned around, you know, the the vast swathes of tools that are available Mm -hmm. to, to people. So where do you even start with that? Like any questions that you you would say, ask yourself these questions in order to, you know, to get yourself up and running as to what tools should I be looking for? So look, I think empathy is definitely one of the most important skills. When you look at recruitment, it's about relationships. You know, it really is. It's not just about a process that you're pushing people through. You've got to really have like the empathy with that candidate it's one of the skills look I think there's so many skills that a recruiter needs to have you know they need to be able to use technology they need to be able to be a project person so that they're really running their recruitment as a project they need marketing skills you know they need social media skills you know there's such a long list it's not an easy role and you have to have the right people in that role it's so important to the company you know, to have the right person representing you to attract, to keep a relationship with, to hire those people. It's a bit like a sales role as well, because you close the deal when you hire someone. 
you know, so I think there's so many things, but empathy definitely is important. And that's that message that I always give. Put yourself in the shoes of the candidate. That's the empathy bit for me. You know, it's just so important. And then when you talk about, you know, how on earth do you choose the tools? How on earth do you work out what are the right ones to use? Look, you have to know where you are. Where is the business? What's the situation with the business? What's the level of capability? How much can the business take on? So, you know, all that kind of thing is important as well. You can't just put lots of tools in. People have to be able to use them. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that I think you've done really well over the course of your career is uh, through the transformations that you've done at Roche and AstraZeneca is is drive a level of consistency of, of that experience. Because obviously, when you're looking to hire thousands of people every year, in, in the cases of, of AZ and, and Roche, getting those standards, those minimum standards right is is critical. And I'm, I was really fascinated to learn about those kind of minimum standards. So when you've gone through your transformations, you know, what are what are some of the things you put in place to, to kind of get that consistency of experience happening? Yeah, I mean, minimum standards is just a really good way of building, transforming and improving all the processes that you might have. You know, so every stage of the process, we will have implemented a standard so that, you know, when you're if you're hiring people, you need to say, right, they're going to apply and we're going to get back to them within a day. And that's the automatic kind of response. And then you will say our standards are we will have reviewed that CV. We will have decided what the next step is whether they're going forward or whether they are unfortunately not right for the job, that standard could be, say, within three days. So you're really setting SLAs and standards throughout every stage of the process because that helps give the candidate a good experience. You don't want them waiting for two weeks before they know what on earth is going on. You know, and then again, in a candidate-driven market, they're also, if they're if they're going through a process with another company and they get contacted sooner you're losing them you may lose that good candidate so it's not just about it's about the business as well you want to get those best candidates so that's partly why minimum standards are so important and they're throughout every stage of the process you know you don't just do them at one end and not the other you do it all throughout and what about the role of the hiring manager in all of this how how did you get the buy-in and the cultural shift that was required to help them understand the importance of the candidate experience, because often that's where things can go fall down in my experience. When, yeah. when I've been interviewed or interview others, um, their impact is huge. You know, and there's been yeah. a lot of different studies that if people have had a negative candidate experience, yeah. they would post about it on social media. They would tell their friends and family. And, you know, that can actually impact the brand of the organization, the sale of their products and services. It was a great study done by Virgin Media a few years ago about the impact of a negative candidate or positive candidate experience. So, yeah, I mean, how, how, how have we got hiring managers to change their ways of working? Look, it's all about communication, change management. And again, this comes back to the role of the recruiter. So you can do all the high level kind of change management communication processes, come out with the standards, come out with the guides, but really, it's the recruiter that really needs to drive all of that with their hiring managers. So I would say it's being very clear 
on what the processes are. And these are what I call basics. This is all basics. But if you don't have the basics in place, you cannot build that amazing proactive recruitment approach. So these are why I've always driven that the basics are just so important. So processes, roles and responsibilities, you know, back to the good old racy, who's accountable, who gets informed, who's consulted. But it's about including people in all of that design. You know, if you just go and do it in an ivory tower, it never works. So I just feel like you have to have that very inclusive approach involve the people around the world if that's your company or locally or you know regionally whatever your responsibilities are but it's about involving the key players involve the business get their feedback you know if you just do something to these people they they don't necessarily buy in if you include them from the beginning they buy in so much more nothing is ever perfect you know don't get me wrong you're never going to have a perfect process and perfect managers but also, just sorry, just one more thing, really. It's about continually reviewing. Don't yeah. just do that, put it in place and leave it. You have to keep communicating, keep giving feedback, asking for feedback, keep driving continuous improvement. And I think that's what makes the difference. Yeah, it's about that continuous iteration, isn't it? It's not just one and done type thing, constantly refining because life moves on, life evolves, which is quite interesting, actually. So today we're talking about candidate experience. Prior to working for Lace Partners, I spent 10, 11 years working in the recruitment industry for various businesses. And the amount of conversations that took place about trying to drive the best possible candidate experience, like this is a conversation that people have been having for certainly my decade and a bit working within recruitment. So I guess I just wanted this is bit more of a sort of a macro question and just an opinion from your perspective on why are we still why are we still talking about it in a sense that businesses haven't quite got it right do you think and the second question in there is what does a good organization look like when you've said they're absolutely nailing candidate experience I mean you don't have to name specific companies but <laughs> what are the top sort of traits that you started to yeah. see why have people not got it right I think we can always say a lot of companies haven't got it right because it's just there's a hundred priorities. And unfortunately, where they don't see recruitment as strategic and they just see it as operational, they don't prioritize it enough and they don't put the resource and the effort into it. And, I, you know, I think it's as basic as that. But, you know, the, it's understandable. There's so many other conflicting priorities. But I always think if you put that first you're going to be able to make a difference. But David, sorry, were you going to say something? Yeah, I mean, building on those points, I mean, what we've noticed in recent years is there's been such a boom and bust in recruitment activities in a number of industries and organisations where they've had to scale up really rapidly and then suddenly put, they put the brakes on. And obviously the COVID era is quite an example of that where some organisations like AZ had to ramp up very quickly to support the, the vaccine efforts, but then there are other industries like the, the airlines and the hotel sector. Obviously, you know, very little, if any, recruitment was going on. And as a result of that, that kind of boom and bust or putting the brakes on and then, you know, companies having to shed TA specialists, yeah. it, it naturally impacts the ways of working in the candidate experience and, the, and, and, and pools of talent that they might have engaged and built up suddenly disappear. Yeah. And... It's quite interesting because you, you've obviously put in the talent scouting model at your previous organisations. Often 
I've seen in organizations, there's a lot of reactive recruitment, you know, one job, one role at a time. Whereas actually in this kind of talent scarce market and, and in, in this constantly changing nature for, for, for new skill sets, what do you feel the benefits of being putting in the talent scouting model? Well, I think the talent scouting model is really where the future of HR of recruitment is. You know, I think the talent scouting model we've put in place over the past several years is what recruitment will look like in the future. It's because you do really build that close relationship with the candidate. And I think, you know, as we think about the technology that's coming, chat GPT, all of the changes that are going to happen probably in recruitment, for me, there's still going to be a massively important role in that relationship building, that building your pipelines, keeping in touch with talent very early on and, and keeping them through the career. But look, just going back to your point about the boom and bust of recruitment, yes, it is like that. But all I always say to recruiters is keep building your skills. Don't forget about yourself through this whole process because life does go up and down. For companies like Roche and AstraZeneca, actually the hiring is all is still high, very high. And although some areas it might reduce, it will go up in other areas. As you said, the skill sets change and the requirements change. So there's lots of companies who don't necessarily go down through that slowing time. Although some of the people we've talked to recently, like even Google, have said they are slowing down in their hiring at the moment and focusing more on internal hiring. So, mm. you know, I think there's always going to be these dynamics in, in the world and in life, depending on what's going on. So an important factor is keep yourself up to date with all the skills, you know, make sure you're continually learning yourself. But while you are wherever you are, do that good job, you know, do a good job and respect the candidates. And I think if you carry that through your whole career, you will you will continue to drive a good experience. So the other thing I think Chris asked was what does good look like in terms of, you know, good recruitment process and all that kind of thing. And I, I do think it is that even the people that you don't hire have had a good experience. They have felt respected during the process. They have been kept in touch with, even if it's no news, the recruiter is keeping in touch with them to let them know what's going on. You know, I, I think so many companies do do this well, but it will, like I said, it can never be 100% because unfortunately people are overloaded and however hard you try. And as you said, Chris, you've been a recruiter. I've been a recruiter. You know, however hard you try, you, you may miss someone, but just do as much as you can. Even if it's, you know, 80% rather than 100, do as much as you can. And, and Chris didn't realise you had 10 years experience in recruitment. You need to be careful. You might be approached. <laughs> not, as a, not as a recruiter. I've always been, a, always been in marketing. I've marketed for recruitment oh, businesses. Okay. But yes, yeah, so it's slightly different. <laughs> but it's an interesting one you were saying there. Building advocacy for those people that don't, don't actually take on the mm. role is so critical. And mm. I'm minded of some of the conversations that David has had when we ran an event earlier on in the year mm. around like talent pools. You know, if somebody's not right right now, that doesn't mm. mean that they're not right in the future. And as organisations look towards ways in which they can tap in 
into their talent pooling, for example, things like that become really important. That person that's gone for that job at a certain level, you know, five years time, if they've gone away with a very positive experience, maybe they are a high flyer and in five, six, seven years time, they're reapplying to the same company. If they've had that good experience, you could have yourself somebody who is going to be a leader of teams that's going to come back. So it's really, really important. That's exactly the strategy. And that is the model of the talent scouts. And and like I said, it isn't just the talent scouts, really. You know, it is the recruiters as well. The recruiters build pipelines. The recruiters build relationships. The talent scouts are focusing much more on all of that and on the gaps in succession planning. But, you know, it is really all recruiters should be involved in that. And even going back to David's point earlier, the line managers have got that responsibility too. They should be Mm -hmm. talent magnets. They should be optimizing their kind of networks and the recruiters can access them. But the the line managers, that's one of the roles they should play. They're being a brand magnet for their companies as well. And if they think it's all just HR or recruitment's job, that's wrong. You know, and that's where the education and the training and the guidance comes in. Yeah. And on that, just a quick, a quick sort of spin-off question. How important, therefore, is the culture of the business? Because if you've got a culture that is encouraging and embracing that, the value that that can have, because you've got people managers that want to have those connections, you've got recruiters who want to have the, the, those kind of, you know, seeing the long game type things. So just some quick thoughts before I'll, I'll let David ask a question. Otherwise, I'll just monopolize it. But just some thoughts around the importance of culture from that perspective. Yeah. It is so important. And it's also about coming from the top. So, and I'll I'll be really open. I've had conversations with CEOs who almost say, why do I need these talent scouts? Because my managers should be doing all of this. And I say, I do agree with you, but your managers are focusing on the real business and they can support the talent scouts and they can play their part. I mean, I don't expect the the line managers can be 100% focused on this it's a massive part of their world but they can't do it all that's why the talent scouts are so important the recruitment teams are so important that's why I think it's so important and the CEOs do see that but they do want their managers and everyone really in the company they want them to be advocates you also the story you tell outside you want that to be the story that's inside. So that's all about the culture. So you don't want to say to people, come to this company because it does this, this and this. They come in and it's completely opposite. So you want to be really being honest about your culture and your story and just make that clear. Don't, you know, be honest. Otherwise, it's if you're telling somebody the wrong thing, they're not going to enjoy it and they're not going to stay. And you want people to stay. You want to hire the right people at the right time and you want them to come in and and enjoy the culture and be part of building it. Turning to the future now. So, you know, I mean, there's been a hell of a lot of disruption over many years in the world of TA with fancy tools and technologies and CRMs and assessment tools. And obviously everyone is naturally talking about chat GPT and the disruption that could have. How do you see, you know, if we fast forward in five years time and we're having a conversation again on this, What's going to be different in the world of TA, do you think? Oh, it's so interesting, isn't it? And it's it's hard to, to know in a way. But I, I do think the roles are going to be changing and it will be gradual and it won't be everywhere because people are at different levels. So I think we've just got to realise 
the world doesn't all move at the same pace and at the same time. So there'll still be lots of areas where it is still kind of the traditional recruitment as we know it today. But I think for the more advanced companies, the, the roles are going to change. There's going to be much more technology used in kind of the sourcing area, in the keeping in touch with the candidates, you know, in all the areas where you can use digital, you can use chat chatbots and things like that. But what I'm a bit nervous of, and I, I really don't want it to happen, is that that personal touch is lost. So that's where I think the role of the recruiter, which I believe will be talent, talent scout and recruiter, maybe it'll be called a different name, but it will be the same role. You know, I don't think it will be so separate as it is today. I think anybody who is doing recruitment has to be a talent scout, has to be doing all of those things that we kind of have a bit separate roles for today. They There may be less of them because the technology will be taking on a lot of that hard admin work and a lot of that process work so for me it will be a little bit what Chris said earlier that role of the empathy side the relationship building I don't see any of that going away I feel like that will get even more important but the recruiters or whatever they called them they will need to be really optimizing technology you know, they will need to be someone who can really manage all of that. And maybe the, one of their team members is going to be a robot. You know, like, let's face it, we've heard about all of this. I was hoping there'd be robots on the team before I left, but unfortunately not. Um, <laughs> you know, I think they're going to have to learn to really, really embrace technology. And like we said about what are some of the challenges earlier, I do still think that embracing technology and optimizing the data is still a bit of a gap. So that would be an area that I think anybody involved in recruitment, that's where they need to focus. That's why I'm saying learn much more about technology, really embrace it. Don't just think, oh, I, I don't really like that because that does happen. And then, mm. you know, we're not optimizing the technology well enough. So you're not getting the full benefit from it. So yeah, definitely much more personalized experience, but a little bit of a different skill level in terms of optimizing that technology and data. Yeah, lovely. Do you know, as you were saying that there, one of the things I was thinking about asking as a question was kind of the future skill sets that you're going to need, but you sort of answered a bit of it. I wonder if the word that I'm thinking of is adapt adaptability, being able to be rapid and agile in how adaptable yeah. you are to new technologies that come into yeah. new ways of working and things like that. We are almost out of time for today's podcast. We're just coming up to a couple more minutes left. I just wanted to give you a bit of a free swim, actually, and have a, a, a some final thoughts about, you know, anything else going on in the talent space, future of talent that, that's piqued your interest or any, any Anything that you want to leave our listeners with, kind of, if you're going to do anything, do this. My message doesn't change, really. I, like I said before, I always leave, and even my parting words at AstraZeneca to the TA community and the Roche community when I left there, please just continue to put the candidate at the core. You know, put yourself in their shoes. And I just still believe that is one of the most important messages. The people that are recruiting and hiring think about the candidate. I see so many sort of poor experiences and I really don't think that should exist in today's world. So that for me is one of the most important things. Keep focusing on the candidate, but also like I just said, embrace technology. 
this is the recruiters embrace technology what i'm very proud of is that i think we've created so many good advocates in with all the people that i've worked with in all those great companies we've had a really common theme and we have really tried to develop people and give them those really core standards for recruitment and i believe we've created so many amazing future recruitment talents and leaders and i believe that it's like the network you know the spider network it just goes out there goes out there and they're sharing that message with all of their teams and they're the future leaders and i think for me that's one of the most inspiring things that has kept me going that i've seen all these other amazing talents develop over the years so keep doing that that's what i would say lovely what an absolutely brilliant way to end today's podcast maggie thank you so much for your time today it's been really really good chatting and putting the world to rights on all things candidate experience you're welcome thank you for the opportunity that's all right and david thank you very much as well to, for uh, helping me to fire the good questions at maggie it was an absolute pleasure today and great to speak with you again maggie thank you david so it's been uh, it's lovely to have uh, David with me. It's been lovely to have Maggie with me. Hopefully you've enjoyed today's podcast as much as we've enjoyed recording it. Uh, if you want to listen to more of our podcast, we've got a few talent focused podcasts that we've released over the last month or so. So please feel free to check out our back catalogue at lacepartners.co.uk forward slash insights. There's a whole host of different written, spoken and uh, some video content in as well. That's, uh, that's quite interesting. Some stuff we're doing around workforce productivity at the moment that uh, is one of our campaigns that's certainly worth checking out. But other than that, thank you very much much for joining us thanks to my guests today and uh, hopefully we'll see you next time on the hr on the offensive podcast goodbye